The next thing is your structure of your working day. Like what happens if a whole organization has to work remotely all of a sudden, accidentally, they are forced to work remotely. They will fear losing control. They will fear being lonely. Okay, it's a completely different working environment. What happens when you when you have fear, when you have panic? Usually people start over-communicating. Welcome to the Fueling Deals Podcast, the podcast that teaches how to accelerate your business growth through all types of deals. It's time to fuel up, so buckle in with your host, Corey Kupfer. This episode of the Fueling Deals Podcast is brought to you by Kupfer Associates PLLC. Kupfer Associates is a New York law firm working with companies to grow through deal-driven growth, including working with foreign companies looking to acquire or do joint ventures of strategic alliances in the United States or set up subsidiaries to expand their business. You can reach Cupfront Associates at 646-751-7516 or check out more information about them at www.cupferlaw.com, K-U-P-F-E-R-L-A-W.com. There are only two ways to grow your business, organically through sales and marketing and providing great products and services, and inorganically through deals. Too many companies focus only on the first way, organic growth. Welcome to the podcast, which will help accelerate your business growth inorganically. My guests are a huge variety of deal makers and experts on all types of deals who have personal experience that can help you grow, get clear, learn best practices, and avoid mistakes. We discuss everything from large, complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My guest today is Manuel Pisner. From crash to 400% scale in six months describes the experience of Manuel Pisner best in one sentence. With global virtual teams of freelancers, Manuel Pisner transformed his agency with 43 employees into a global company of over 150 freelancers in 2018. Driven by enormous shortages of specialists, it was impossible for him to find and keep the right experts required for complex digital projects. In an increasingly dynamic project environment, a static team could no longer keep up with the required flexibility. Everyday life was characterized by personal bottlenecks at every corner. Born out of a crash of two projects and inspired by Stanford University studies uh, called Flash Organizations and Flash Teams, a virtual team of 23 freelancers provided him with the experts within one day to save his projects and thus his company at the last minute. From this crash, he scaled his company called Bright Solutions to a virtual team of over 150 freelancers in six months. A shortage of skilled workers is therefore no longer an issue today. His second company called Flash Hub was born from this experience. With Flash Hub, Manuel systematically builds up virtual teams of freelancers, the right tools, and the right workflows for other companies, and thus shows companies an effective way to escape the tiresome shortage of skilled workers. So, folks, I am uh, excited. You know, it's funny. We booked uh, Manuel, uh, you know, uh, a little while back, and it was actually before this whole coronavirus uh, thing. Uh, but we're going to be talking about, you know, some of the deals he did, but we're also definitely going to be focusing on this amazing thing that he did about build, building a virtual team and being able to operate a virtual team, because obviously that's become so much more relevant for people today in this current environment. Uh, Manuel, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. So yeah, let, let's, uh, before we get into 
you know, this amazing story, which you tell in a great uh, TEDx talk, talk that I had the, the pleasure to listen to, uh, and also, you know, some of the deals you've done. Um, I want to take you back. So when you were um, uh, young, growing up, maybe 8, 10, 12 years old, what, what did you want to be when you were, uh, you know, when you grew up? Because my guess is uh, running a, a company with a virtual team probably wasn't it back then, but you tell me. <laughs> I had, in fact, three things that I want to become. I want to become karate world champion. That was my passion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I won the World Cup, but not the official world championship. So I made it quite um, quite far. Wow. The second thing is I want to invent something, something that does not exist yet, that helps people, humanity, whatever. I want to create something unique. Um, and the second thing, I want to become an independent, uh, independent entrepreneur. Well, so that so 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 that last one actually uh, did come true, huh? Yes, but I didn't have this from the beginning. When I founded my my company in two thousand six, starting as a freelancer, I had no idea how 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 I have to grow a business. And then I've grown my company to forty three people. But I understood that this this dream was not as bright as I as I thought it would be because pressure increased with every new employee. So I was an entrepreneur, but I was not free. <laughs> love that. Love that. Okay. So my second question before we get into what you're doing now and this uh, great story that you're about to tell us is, um, what was your first biz real business? However you describe that. Um, my first real business was I was a freelancer developing software for any company that needs software. That's it. So it was no real business. I had no idea about how to build a business, how to grow a business. I was just a software developer. That was the start. Right. So you were you were what some people would call self-employed, but not not really an entrepreneur. Uh, yeah, right. You're exactly. selling your own time, et cetera. Right. That's great. Okay. So so let's let's jump in here a little bit. Um, you know, give us just a couple of minutes on what your companies do, and then yeah, let's let's get into this. Uh, the story about um, you know how you went from uh, uh, having a uh, a company with local people uh, to really transforming it, and then and then we'll talk about. I know you've done you've done some deals. Uh, you know, uh, you acquired a company. We'll get there, but uh, I really want to hear this. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, I listened to it on your TED, TEDx talk, and it's a great story. So, can you tell it? Uh, tell us a little bit about what the companies do, and then also you know how you've evolved. Sure, absolutely. So the first company is Bright Solutions, and it was grown out of my freelancer business. So what we did with, or what we still do with Bright Solutions is we develop web applications, mobile applications, and cloud applications. In the past, so till 2018, we were always limited on the skills and capacities of people that we have employed in our organization locally. And where projects become increasingly complex every year um, and where the shortage of talent puts more and more pressure on organizations, I found myself in a company, a typical agency, where I, as an entrepreneur, um, where I'm always between my customers and between my employees because my customers, they want services always faster, full service, more technology, better quality, lower price. And on the other side, my employees, they want the pay raise, they want to become more flexible, um, work less hours, become more independent. And I, as an entrepreneur, have to somehow keep all the balance between these two parties. And that's, that's becoming more and more complex and harder with every hire. 
And I completely underestimated that because, you know, as an agency, you always have either too few projects or too few employees. One of the scenarios is always the case. And that led to the situation that sometimes I was afraid how I should pay my employee's salary if I didn't have enough projects. And on the other side, if I had too many projects, I had not enough people that could do it. And then a new project came, you know, and then what I did is I just somehow published a job description somewhere, hope that I get enough applications with this gap of talent that we have currently. I usually got three up to eight applications. That's by far not enough to really find good people. And then I always had to make a choice based on a trade-off. And that brought me to the point that at yeah, the end of 2017, I had too many trade-offs in my company. I mean, average skilled people that simply were there and had the time to do the job, but were not skilled enough and experienced enough. And that led me to a huge crash. I had to migrate 8,000 web pages for a project. So um, 2,000 web pages in four languages for a large automobile manufacturer. And yeah, I I asked my project manager, my local project manager, when they plan to do this three and a half months before the deadline. And they told me just something. But I realized they had no plan. And what I tried to do is first ask for help with local other partner agencies. But nobody was able to do that because they had the same problems that I have. They simply don't have enough people or not skilled enough people or whatever. And I decided to go to Google and search for like content migration agency somewhere in Eastern Europe. I found one. Then um, I had negotiations with them. I had a nice account manager and this account manager promised me, oh, whatever they can do. And they are so experts and so specialists. And he negotiated with me like until three and a half weeks before the deadline. And he didn't give me a commitment on what he can do. And I had no transparency, no control about people behind this person. And all of a sudden, he said, sorry, this project is not interesting for me anymore. And then, you know, pressure increased really dramatically for me. Yeah, because I only had three and a half weeks. So I, I decided to go with, um, with a company in India because what I assumed is that they have so many people, they can do it for a cheap price and they can do it fast. But I didn't want to fall into the same trap and just trust an account manager blindly. So I hired a freelancer. And this freelancer was from India. He should find three companies for me and give me a recommendation for one. He did that. I found an agency that I liked. I was talking to an account manager again. But at this time, they were at least showing me some results, some pages that were migrated. and um, But only 10 a day. And I completely ignored that 10 out of 8,000 <laughs> is not representative at all. The, the math's just not, not going to work with the time you, <laughs> yeah, it was the time you left, right? <laughs> yeah, it was just an emotional situation. Uh, my wife was pregnant at this time, and I, was, I had really fear about if my company would crash and what will I do then, and a little bit of panic. Yeah, and then it was the 6th of June, 2018, 5 o'clock, 28 in the morning when I usually start a workout. And then I got this email where it was written, Hi, Manuel, I have to cancel the project as of now. 
after discussing with you, let me know when available. <laughs> Can you imagine how that felt? <laughs> oh my God, the life, the life of entrepreneurs. Any, any, any of us who have been in business for a long time, uh, you know, uh, I think people who uh, uh, work for someone else uh, often dream about being entrepreneurs. And by the way, I'm a big advocate of it if you're the right person. But what they don't understand is these kind of situations that we have all dealt with. <laughs> yeah. So there is there are two opportunities. So either these situations, they won't kill you physically, but mentally and maybe financially. So that was the threat that I had this time. Or you have the opportunity to become much stronger with a new business model if you just tackle this opportunity. And I decided, okay, I will not give up. I will take the second one. And I will, I will do what I ever wanted to do. So I ever had a dream of getting rid of all this local limiting physical stuff like local employees having an office and all these. Right. I want to be as flexible as my customers ask me to be. And I read these studies from the Stanford University called Flash Organizations and Flash Teams. And they inspired me. They, they came up in May 2017. And I decided, okay, I will go with this approach. So what I did is I went, uh, I think at these days it was Fiverr or Upwork, one of these platforms. And I found a freelance project manager that was very experienced with virtual teams. Her name was Janet and she's still my operation um, officer. She's in Barcelona. Previously, she was in Canada and um, she has huge experience with virtual teams. That was luck. So, so let's, uh, let's stop for a second to give the audience a little context. So you're in Germany. And prior to this, you had all of your employees in Germany? All in my local office, yes. Yeah, in your local office in, 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 in where you are in Germany. So now we start off, you, you, you have a project manager, uh, the, a freelance that you found in Barcelona. Okay, now continue. Yeah, exactly. And I asked this person for help. I really asked, here, here are two studies. I want to do this, but I have no idea how. So I have an idea how to do this, and I discussed it with her, and she said, mm, okay, she knows how to work with people remotely, but she never did it with only freelancers, with people that we never saw, we never met, like strangers from everywhere around the world. And I said, okay, listen, I have two opportunities. Either we stop now and I shut down my company, or we give it a try, and after that, you and I are both smarter. <laughs> Okay. And she said, okay, let's give it a try. What do you want me to do? And I said, okay, so I need 23 people today that can do this content migration and that commit to work 14 hours every day, even over the weekend for the next five days. She said, okay, it's a tough question, but she said she knows an HR professional. And she asked this person. And I said, okay, do this. You ask this person and I will do the preparation. So what I did is I've created a very clear task description and I've set up a Trello board, hired um, a Google Cloud Platform expert that developed some software like a script that will create one task in the Trello board for mm -hmm. every page that requires manual migration. And I've created a video, an onboarding video, where I've explained how they should do this, how this should work. And this HR professional agreed to help me with this project. This person knew other recruiters. I mean, that was only luck. There was no system. <laughs> um, and these recruiters were sourcing on all these talent platforms. So they took my video, posted a job description on Upwork, Fiverr, Guru, LinkedIn, wherever you can hire freelancers, and asked, okay, watch this video. 
give me an idea what you think is the most important and complex thing with this task and you have to commit to working 14 hours every day over the weekend yes and then i had 23 people at the same day and then there were some that left but i mean with a local team if somebody leaves you are highly disappointed but this scenario i said okay it's your choice if you don't like it there is no sense if you continue working and i told my hr team to simply find a new one and then they hired another person within an hour and that was fascinating because everyone was self-determined, independent, could do what they like. And I was not helpless. And I was fooled by some account managers without any transparency and any control. I had my Trello board and was watching 18 hours every day, my cards flowing over the board. And that gave me confidence. It gave me control and transparency. And guess what? I mean, till Monday, everything was migrated and that saved my company literally. Wow. Wow. All right. So I want to dig into a couple of things. So first of all, uh, I think a lot of people do, but if anybody doesn't know what Trello is, it's a, it's a, uh, you know, when he says Trello board, it's a, it's a project management, you know, system. Uh, there are many of them out there. Yeah, Very simple one, a free one. Yeah. Free, free very simple one. They have these cards. And so, uh, so, so yeah, let's, let's break down some of the steps here because I think, I mean, this is so timely, uh, for so many, for so many companies now who, uh, you know, have a, I mean, listen, despite the fact that there's much more virtual going on and there are distributed teams and it's certainly grown much more than it has in the past, you know, still you have the far majority of companies, certainly in the U.S. and for what, I, and I have clients and connections in other countries and, you know, and I think it's the same in, in, in most of the, uh, the world uh, where, you know, you still, the, the, the main model is still having a office or offices where most people, you know, sort of come in and where you hire mostly, mostly locally. Um, you know, I think more companies still do that than, uh, and now, of course, with the uh, coronavirus, uh, we're at a point where, not by choice, but by necessity, um, a lot of uh, companies, whether they're smaller entrepreneurial companies, to uh, a lot of the major tech companies have, uh, you know, sent people home. Now, the major tech companies uh, are a little more used to working, you know, having some of the people work remotely, um, but there are a lot of companies who aren't. And you know, there's a difference in the way you uh, you manage and and uh, the way you hold people accountable and the way you track things. And so, what I've heard so far from you, Manuel, is you know a couple of things you did well is one, you know, you prepared this video which set the expectations clear of what you needed. Uh, so that was you know a good tool. You had a project management system like Trello where you can track things. You got some virtual people in place who were had project management and recruiting experience. Um, so in addition to that, what, what have you, uh, well, uh, maybe tell people where you've gone, because I think we said in the intro, but from those 23 people, you're now at, what, 150 or something? And how do you, like, what kind of systems, what kind of issues have come up in terms of remote management? Uh, what's the benefits of it? And what are the systems you put in place that make it work? Yeah, so um, I fired 20 people because I was highly disappointed that they didn't help me at all. So there were all kinds of excuses. They have to drink coffee with their grandmother over the weekend and all these things. And I was afraid of losing my company and nobody helped me. And, and the, the, these are 20 local people who, you know, in your own yeah, model, right? 20 yeah, local people. Yeah. So I fired them immediately. And then some left because they were afraid of being fired next. Right. Um, so today we only have nine nine lo or 12 local employees i i didn't count it uh, in detail because we have another branch in in another city i don't know how many people are there but yep. not a lot so only a few and i have more than 150 freelancers working with me from all around the globe and they even lead my company my 
my chief operation officer and my HR lead and my marketing lead, they are all freelancers. I, I, I mean, till four months ago, I never saw them. Wow. And how many, how many countries are these people over? I counted uh, five months ago, it was uh, 67 countries. Wow. 150 plus people over 67 countries. Okay. So how do you, for some people, this may seem like a, like the biggest nightmare. Like how do you possibly <laughs> manage people uh, over 150 people from, you know, 60 some odd countries and, and, you know, you're not Microsoft, right? You're not uh, Google, right? Um, so, you know, how do you make that work? What are the systems you have in place, the processes you have in place? What is the sort of relationship you have with these people? How does it work? Yeah, so there are basically three major things that I experienced that need to work very well. First thing is to keep people accountable, no matter if they are on-site, off-site, if you know them personally or never met them, is a very clear description of their role. That sounds very simple and straightforward, but it isn't. Usually, when I look at job descriptions and role descriptions, they want an all-rounder that can do everything on an expert level. This doesn't exist. And if it exists, it's very hard to find such a person. So what we do, we try to cut these roles into very small roles um, so that I can hire experts to do this job. Basically, the right people in the right jobs. That's it. No role creep, no role pollution, just very clear, clear, committed accountability. That is the most important thing. And uh, then you can hire experts to do your job. The next thing is clarity about how they should collaborate. Sounds also very simple, but it isn't. If you are used to work in a local office, usually what happens is that you get clarification of tasks and problems by random ad hoc communication. Like you meet in the kitchen, you meet at the toilet, then you discuss something randomly, and then you think that work cannot be done without this random communication. But you can, because if you have structured communication and you work on, let's say, clear rhythms of meetings, you, you foster asynchronous communication, like creating a video message, send it to someone. And then he or she replies with another video communication. That's so simple. And it does not require to find an appointment for a synchronous call. And that makes communication much easier. Um, the next thing is that you need the right tools to support your workflows. For example, most people want to work agile. Whenever I look how they work agile, I would give this the label chaos. Agile is not working without a plan. Agile is not working without rules, and Agile is not working without any structure. The opposite is the case. Scrum, for example, which is an Agile framework, has very clear rules. And you can add your own rules, but the more clear everything else is, the easier it is. I mean, see, what, what happens today is there are so many software as a service businesses. You can, you can purchase almost anything online. You can apply for a loan. You can buy houses. You can do everything online. But why? Because you have a clearly structured interface that helps you to give the right input for this process. Okay. And for Scrum, it's the same. There are like clearly structured meetings with clearly structured meeting notes and then meeting topics. And then you work according to that and not have only chaos in communication. 
And this is what many companies miss. And for this reason, most will not be able to scale with remote teams, with virtual teams of freelancers, people they never met. That is the most important thing from my learning. Wow. So that's great. So, and that's, that's allowed you obviously to do this now successfully for the last, you know, uh, what has it been now? A couple of, couple of years, year two and a years, half. Yeah. Two years. Um, two years um, with uh, that many people across, you know, uh, uh, different, uh, different countries, which is amazing. Um, so any other, so, you know, if, people are starting out and they want to shift their business model, whether it's temporarily because of what's going on in the times right now, you know, or, you know, I happen to think that having this coronavirus force people to make temporary changes is actually going to have uh, some percentage of those companies say, oh, wait a second, we can actually do this differently, uh, you know, permanently, even when, you know, uh, this this, uh, virus clears up and people could come back to the office. I think it's going to have some companies rethink their business model. So if you uh, were advising somebody who is just trying to figure this out because they're forced to do it virtually, what are some of the early steps that you would tell them, uh, you know, to do? How do they, what systems, how do they find people? What should they watch out for? I mean, obviously some of the things you just gave are the key things, but anything specific with people starting out? (laughs) That's exciting because I get like, 10, 10 requests per day with exactly this question from people that are forced to work remotely, right? Um, the most important thing is, I would say, when you work remotely, get your space where you have no interruptions. That's also very valuable for the office. If, you, if your coworker always interrupts you, you will not be productive. And at home, it is the same. So what I do, for example, when, when I have my calm place, when I have my small office, it's really very small one, and I live with my family in one, one house, I work 60 minutes and then 10 minutes of a break every day. And in these 10 minutes, I either take a deep breath, I go outside, I visit my son, my wife, whatever. I give them time to talk to me so they don't have to interrupt me. This is a very, very basic thing, but very, very important thing. The next thing is, your structure of your working day. Like what happens if a whole organization has to work remotely all of a sudden, accidentally, they are forced to work remotely. They will fear losing control. They will fear being lonely. Okay, it's a completely different working environment. What happens when you, when you have fear, when you have panic, usually people start over-communicating. And then Everyone is just looking in Slack, looking in emails, looking in LinkedIn, looking in all these messengers who screams loudest and then talk to people randomly. And this will, this will kill your brain. It, I, I experienced it myself. I had days when I started with that, when I was looking at my laptop from seven in the morning till eight in the evening and just jumping from one pop-up message to another pop-up message. I asked myself in the evening, okay, what did I do? What did I do today? Clicking here, clicking there, doing this, doing that, chatting here, chatting there. But what was the result? Nothing. And that is very important to, if you structure your workday, like having time boxes, 60 minutes productivity time, no Slack, no email, no messages at all. Ignore every communication, focus on what really matters. And then 10 minutes of a break, either for communication, for your family, for whatever it is. And then next 60 minute focus time with another important thing. And that helps you staying focused, not burning out and not having panic because of anyone else just over communicates. Um, 
the next thing is understanding asynchronous communication. Just don't don't write random messages. What do you think about this? And then you get a random message. And what do you mean exactly? And this is just blah, blah, blah. Make sure that you understand what is your exact question. Respect the time of anyone else in the company and ask precise question. It gets easier if you record a video. Just use Zoom or Teams or whatever. Record a video, share your screen, talk and show what you mean, what you what your question is about. Send it to somebody and then this person, if he or she is working also in time boxes, this person can jump on the communication time box and create a video back to you and ask you and show you whatever. Usually, from my experience, it's done and clarified after the exchange of one video per site. While in a chat, you know how long these threads can be. <laughs> And you never come to a clear solution. That's such such great advice. I mean, and and listen, I think I think uh, uh, most people uh, you know have used a tool like Zoom or Teams or things like that. But but if there's anybody out there who hasn't, I mean, it's really not that you know. It's really very simple. These interfaces are really user friendly. You know, it's a couple of clicks, and you know you're on, you're, you know you can record a video. Uh, I mean, we're actually doing this uh, this podcast. I record this podcast through Zoom. Um, you know, and Manuel and I got to sort of say hello and see each other on on video in advance, and then we happen to uh, because the podcast is audio only, we happen to kill a video, so we get a little bit of bandwidth. But for you know, but for uh, recording videos or doing video calls, these tools are so easy, and and you know, you just click a share screen button. And, you know, it's it's just, you know, it's such an easy learning curve on these things. Yeah, absolutely. It's just the habit. We are not used to work like this. We always are used to work like, like we work in an office. But if you work remotely, you can't do that. It doesn't work anymore. And you should be aware of that and not feel afraid. Just get the basics right and structure your communication, structure yourself and focus in time boxes. The next thing, if you are a leader or an entrepreneur, you need to understand that you have to lead by output, not by availability. It doesn't matter who is available when, unless you have like a service level agreement that is the output where people get paid for availability because they need to reply to customer requests within two hours or so. But the majority of our organization is only led by outputs. We only have clear goals. We measure them very clearly. We have clearly delegated responsibilities and clearly delegated tasks. We work mostly on templates like role templates, checklists, task templates for recurring things. And then you have such a clarity and you have not this noise because everyone needs to communicate because nobody knows what to do. Yeah, the, yeah. The need for process, system, templates. Uh, I mean, frankly, those are things that even uh, businesses that uh, you know are not virtual should be doing a hell of a better job on, you know, because it's 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 way more efficient anyway. Um, it's just that you can get away with it a little more. Uh, not that not that it's best, but you can get away with it a little more if you're all in the same place. Whereas you know, virtually, it's uh, the cost is a lot higher of not not having those systems and templates, right? Yeah, absolutely. So let, let, let's talk a little bit. Uh, let's you know roll this into. A little more on the uh, you know uh, on the deal side, and, and I want to talk about like a simple thing that's that, that I look at as a deal, which is that 
you know, the relationship you have with these freelancers is different. I mean, you know, when, when, when you had uh, 40 whatever people locally, um, you know, uh, uh, they were probably employees or maybe some of them were contractors. But, um, but the point is that, you know, it was most companies have this model where whatever people get a salary or they get, you know, bonuses or commissions or whatever. And, and, you know, then they have some responsibilities and it's, it's, uh, you know, I mean, you could look at that as a deal, but it's really just an employment situation. Um, here, you know, uh, you have all these people around the world. Uh, I'm assuming most of whom don't exclusively work for you, uh, right? If not all of them, uh, they they work for other people. Uh, you know, they are independent contractors. They may, you know, they have their own business, whether it's set up as an entity or they're just a freelancer. And uh, you know, nobody has to. You know, I mean, they, they get to make some choices, right? And, and and they get to negotiate. You know, I mean, it's basically a deal that you're negotiating between you and each of them as to what your expectations are as to how they're going to get paid and as to what they're required to do, right? Absolutely. And this requires real clarity, clarity about expectations on both sides. Then you get, then you get reliability and really accountability. That's what is the most important thing. That's great. And so, you know, so for you with all these people in different roles in different places, um, you know, how do you, you know, do you have a, do you have a model on how you do this? Are the deals, you know, very different with each of these uh, freelancers? Uh, you know, how does it all work? No, they are all uh, standard deals. Like we always have a time and material agreement and they get paid via one of these freelancer platforms. That's it. The, the thing is, if, if they, if they understand we are not the right partner for them, they will quit tomorrow or today. And we can do the same. What we both know that we are all human beings so we want to treat each other well and respect each other so i never fire a person or quit a contract from one day to another uh, to another even if i could do that but i am the same rule as with your local employees if you treat them well if you give them exciting tasks and if you pay them well they will stay with you and that is the most important thing for me that's great that's great yeah and and having a a model for that you know i'm a big believer in in having systems and models and everything you do in business. So yeah, I mean, having a way you do this with freelancers and then they get to opt in or out, you know, and, and, and you have consistency where you're not trying to manage a hundred different deals. Exactly. So the thing is, if you want somebody to perform and fill your expectations, you have to know what your expectations are. So now listen, if you ask somebody, do you know your expectation? Everybody would say, yes, of course. So, but the thing is, let them write down their expectations and they can't. And that brings me to the point that at, at a certain time I realized, okay, if I can't write down what I want, I don't know it. And then I can't blame somebody that he or she didn't deliver it. That's the rule. So write it down, ask somebody for commitment, and then, okay, then it works. Otherwise, it's just chaos again. Love it. Love it. All right. So, and, and Manuel, in addition to obviously, you know, uh, changing your business model here and cutting these, you know, these deals with the independent contractors, you also um, did uh, uh, an acquisition or a merger of some, of some type, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Tell us about that deal. So I knew an entrepreneur in another city north of Germany in Hamburg, and this person had the same struggles that I had. He always had too few projects or too few employees. His agency didn't scale. And yeah, he was making loss every month in 2017, I think it was. Yeah. 
um, he made loss. In 2018, he also made loss, and then we, we were talking. And it was exactly in the end of 2018 when I already rebuilt my organization in the previous six months. And he said, okay, your model, I really like it. And from what you tell me, this would solve all my problems. And I said, so at least it solved my problems. And I had the same problems um, that you are talking about. And then very quickly, we decided, okay, I will acquire um, the majority of shares of this company um, because <laughs> I want to prove myself and others that what I did with my company can be done with other companies too. Because everyone told me, oh, this was just by accident and this was just luck and this can't be reproduced and so on. There is that, okay, I will, I, will, I will give it a try. And it was very tough because this company had a completely different culture. The leader of this organization was, was completely an emotional leader. So they had no structure. They had no clarity. They were, lead, they were led by emotions. And I came in as a very structured person based on processes, clarity, and full accountability. Yeah. So many people left again. I learned so much because changing a culture, I would never do this. So I would hire or acquire another company only if we have a cultural fit. That was my biggest learning. But also I realized if you really want it, it works. So the result is from 12 people that work there, we only have three. But again, this company has 30, 28, 28 freelancers, also from all around the globe. And now they can scale. They can do any projects. They are profitable. Yeah, pressure is gone. And even in times of corona, they can still continue working as they do. Right. I mean, they uh, they would have been in trouble if that model had it. I mean, <laughs> Absolutely. Sounds like they were already struggling, but 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 certainly they would have been in even more trouble if uh, the model hadn't shifted. So, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, listen, I, 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 listeners on this podcast have heard from so many people the importance of cultural fit. I mean, you know, uh, we, you know, it's amazing. That's a topic that anybody who's ever been through uh, any kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, acquisition or merger um, you know, learns that lesson either, you know, uh, the easy way, but often the hard way the first time around. And, um, and no matter how much we talk about it, I still think people underestimate the cultural due diligence that needs to be done. You know, they'll do the financial due diligence, they'll do the legal due diligence, uh, but, you know, to really understand how cultures mesh. And then also, frankly, even if cultures do mesh, I, I think, you know, one of the things that I've always seen is, uh, you know, I mean, uh, if the cultures are good, then you can have less drop off, but you're always going to have some change in personnel because, you know, when, when companies come together or there's an acquisition, things change, uh, you know, uh, by definition, usually, you know, there, there are things from the other company that are going to come in and some people are just not going to like it or they're not going to be able to step up. Uh, so you're always going to have some turnover, but you want to minimize it by you know, making sure the cultural fit is as good as possible. Um, so that's always a great lesson. And um, what else did you find? So you you own a majority of the of the company, and the and the prior owner uh, owns a minority interest and is still involved in the company. Or uh, how's it? Yeah, um, he's still involved in the company. I asked him to lead the local team, but then we dropped this because the local team needs to be led remotely because they have to learn to lead remotely. Right. And if they continue doing what they always did, like leading emotionally, they will get the same results, right? And that's what I learned. Culture is nothing 
like, okay, Chaka, we doing, we have a kicker in the office and we're drinking beer in the evening. This is, uh, that's part of a culture, but that's not what counts. What counts is the habits and the behavior. That's what, what makes the culture, right? And that what brings the results. And I completely had to change this. Great. And it sounds like you've successfully done that. Yeah, absolutely. Now everything is, everything is good. <laughs> they're profitable. They have new customers. They work remotely. They have a scaling workforce. So yeah, they scale. That's what, what the goal was. Oh, that's excellent. So Manuel, before I ask you my last question, you've, you've brought so much value here uh, to people. I mean, uh, it's, it's such a timely topic in terms of this ability. I mean, what a model you are to transform a, uh, you know, a company from what is, you know, I think um, becoming and, and now maybe accelerating with this coronavirus, uh, you know, an old and antiquated model to a much more, um, you know, virtual and uh, future-based model. Um, so uh, tell people where they can find out more information about you and then also remind them like, you know, some of the services that you provide if they, because uh, I definitely want people to take advantage of uh, what you do here. You provide such great value to our listeners. Sure. So the easiest thing is you can find me on LinkedIn, Manuel Pistner, for the company FlashHub.io. Uh, for those that understand German, or if you want to translate it with Google or DeepL, um, I have this other company that I transformed, which is called BrightSolutions.de. And there is a TEDx talk. If you Google TEDx Manuel Pistner, then you will find it as well. Great. And, and all of that's going to be in the show notes, folks. So if you're, uh, you know, driving or, uh, you know, didn't, didn't catch that, uh, don't worry about it. Uh, it's uh, just take a look at the show notes. So all those that contact information is going to be in there. Definitely check out Manuel's uh, uh, website and his TED Talk. And, uh, and um, so, uh, Manuel, um, the last question I always ask on the podcast is, uh, is about authenticity. And it's one of my highest values. And for me, authenticity doesn't mean some sort of external morals or ethics. It's really about, uh, connecting with our internal truth and alignment with our highest ideals. Um, so what does authenticity mean to you and how, um, how have you applied it in your business uh, decisions and in your life? <laughs> yeah, that's also one of my core values. So what I mean, transparency is the most important thing. I have in my organization, I introduced radical transparency because I never want to hide things, real things from reality and put blurry like other things above it because I don't want people to see the reality. So um, that means we have open salaries. We have uh, transparent P&Ls in our organization. I make everything transparent to everyone so that we can talk about reality and not about my opinion and your opinion. Because my opinion and your opinion will never solve a real problem. And that is what is most important for me that I can talk about real things. I love that. Manuel, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It was great talking to you. Thank you. And thank you, Fueling Deals listeners, for tuning in. Remember, there's only one difference between companies that grow inorganically and those that don't. And it's unrelated to size, amount of capital, or any other factor. Other than that, the owners and executives of companies that do deals make a decision to do deals. And then they take action. Well, it's time to refuel. So until next week, Corey Kupfer signing out. Thank you again for tuning in. Be sure to leave Fueling Deals a rating and review on iTunes and Google. Check out all our episodes at fuelingdeals.com to find out more resources to accelerate your business growth.